Well, this being Palm Sunday, and next Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the glorious Easter Sunday. I want us to focus today uh, on the cross of Jesus and really come to an understanding of the significance of the cross and what it means for us uh, in the death of Jesus for our sins. When we take the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which give the the account of of the life of Christ, And we put together the the final events of of the life of Jesus. I think we can kind of combine them and and notice this order of events. And that is that uh, Jesus and his disciples uh, met together for the Passover meal. And it's at that place that Jesus told his disciples uh, that he would be betrayed. Then they shared the act of communion together. And Jesus told them that they would all abandon him. And that one, Peter, would deny knowing him. But then he also told them that he would die, but on the third day would rise from the dead. Then he left from there and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He took that inner core believing of followers, disciples with him to ask them to pray and watch. And they couldn't stay awake and he prayed and he wrestled with his soul. We looked at that last week. And we know that at that point then Jesus was betrayed and arrested. And he went through the mockery of trials, all on false charges. And everything that was done in those trials was was illegal as the way that it was done. Then he was found guilty by that trumped-up kangaroo court. He was beaten, spat upon, imprisoned. And then later that night, Peter denied being one of his disciples. The following morning, the council of religious leaders condemned Jesus to death and handed him over to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Since it was Passover, Pilate followed the custom of allowing one condemned prisoner to be set free. He lets the crowd choose, and they choose for Barabbas. And Pilate asked them the question, the very penetrating question for all of us, and that is, what shall I do with Jesus? And the crowd responded, crucify him. So Pilate released Barabbas, and Jesus was beaten and then handed over to be crucified. The Roman soldiers mocked him. Then he was taken outside the city where he was put to death, being nailed to that cross. We'll read a portion of that account of the crucifixion from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. And we'll do so as we begin reading in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Then save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For what we are getting for deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. 
It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Well, we might think that maybe we are so familiar with uh, this passage of Scripture or any of them that give us the account of the crucifixion, that why do we need to take time and emphasize the crucifixion and come to an understanding of the cross? And maybe we literally take this story for granted uh, where we live in the Bible Belt and been believers for a long, long time. But it's interesting about a survey that I read that took place not too long ago where 7,000 people were uh, interviewed in a, a research international in six different countries. And the study revealed that the Shell Oil logo and the Mercedes-Benz emblem and the five rings of the Olympics were recognized far, far more widely than the Christian cross. Now that's really surprising to me as much as the cross is used in so many different ways. In fact, the golden arches of McDonald's and Shell's bright orange, yellow Shell sign were recognized by 84% of the people around the world, whereas only 54% could identify the cross. So we come today in this worship experience a week before Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead to make sure we come to an understanding of the cross. We want to celebrate on the Lord's Supper and Paul's words to us that he would get share later about the cross and the response of a believing world. You see, for us as believers, the cross is a symbol of both hope and horror. Our Lord Jesus Christ died an excruciatingly painful and shameful death on the cross. But he did so willingly and gladly. He drank empty the cup of God's wrath poured out on our sins. And the author of Hebrews reminds us of that, that though it was a painful experience, that for the expectation of the future joy and knowing that he was in obedience to the will of God the Father, that he said, that the writer of Hebrews said that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, this great symbol of the Christian faith, though, I think has been taken uh, more of a sign of meaningless in our culture today than it is one of hope and encouragement and fulfillment. You find crosses used everywhere in jewelry, bumper stickers, cards, bookmarks, watching uh, basketball games this weekend. No telling how many players playing basketball uh, in March Madness have crosses tattooed somewhere on their body. Whenever I see that displayed on somebody, no matter what form it is, a cross and a piece of jewelry, or whether it's a tattoo, I often wonder, do these people know what that means? Do they live the value of that cross? Calvin Miller, a Christian writer, says that we have celluloid crosses. He says, our world has gone crazy and that the cross literally has been overexposed for the wrong reasons. Maybe it's because we don't have a complete understanding of the significance of the cross and what Jesus experienced and what the cross meant in God's plan for us. 
So I just very briefly this morning as we prepare our hearts to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, the bread which represents the body of Christ and the cup which represents His blood, I want to come to an understanding of what the cross really means. And the first observation is that the cross is shame that's turned to glory. The cross is shame that's turned to glory. If we know anything at all about crucifixion, then I think we know that crucifixion uh, and the death that it brought about was one of the most feared throughout history. And death on the cross was say, for the worst of criminals. And death on the cross constituted the greatest of shame, humiliation, and disgrace, especially among the Jews. But Jesus took the shame and humiliation of the cross, and he turned it into an instrument to glorify God. And I think when we study the history of these early believers and followers of Jesus Christ, that they did the same thing. They gloried in the cross because Jesus Christ died on that cross for the forgiveness of their sins, and they committed themselves to be followers after Christ and devoted believers of Him. I think sometimes we treat the cross as if it's a a great treasure, but oftentimes we act as the cross is trash compared to some other things. I've uh, probably done what you've done a lot this weekend, and that's watched some fantastic basketball games. I never remember any year of March Madness with all the upsets of of a number 13, 14, and 15 team beating higher seeded teams. But I also never watch these games that I don't think of John Wooten, the legendary coach at UCLA, that I think in one specific span of 10 years won 10 consecutive national championships in basketball. But John Wooten always carried a small cross in his pocket. And he did so to remind himself that there was something far more important in this world than basketball. We need to look at the cross today, whether it's here or wherever we see it. And be reminded that the cross reminds us that it is more important in life than anything else. It's more important than politics. It's more important than business. It's more important than romance. It's more important than education or your career or your health or even your safety. It's more important even than your very life. Second observation we make about the cross is this, and that is... The cross is God's demonstration of both love and sacrifice. We've already heard the choir sing about uh, the depth of the love of Christ for us. And when God gave His Son, it was not with any expectation that He might escape this cross. Calvary was never meant to be an option for Jesus. There was no other hope of saving mankind but through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the sins of the world. John the Baptist said that Jesus was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. The Gospel writer John, who later wrote uh, the book of Revelation and had his vision while on the island of Patmos, said that Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so the cross forever stands as a testimony to us of the love of God. And we're reminded of it over and over in the very heart of the gospel in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And in 1 John 4.19 we read these words. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
You see, the message of the cross is of infinite love. And only God could love us so much that he would give his only son. And only his son, Jesus, could love us so much that he would give his life for us on the cross. The cross is a demonstration of both love and sacrifice, the supreme evidence of the love of God. And then thirdly, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.18 and says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. I think we can understand that the more we take time and look at the specifics around the crucifixion of Jesus at the time that it took place. Because it certainly seemed as foolishness to the Jews that the supposed Messiah would allow himself to suffer and die at the hands of sinners. It seemed as foolishness to the Gentiles that God would exhibit such love for sinful human beings. And the message of the cross seems as foolishness to those who reject the deity of Christ and who refuse to acknowledge their need for a Savior. You see, the cross was foolishness to the soldiers and the others who cast their insults as Jesus as he hung on that cross, literally becoming sin in our place for us. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. Aren't you the Christ? Then save yourself and us. And then fourthly, we observe that the cross is God's final word about salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 again says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, that's us as believers who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, it's the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that displays the power of God to save us from our sins. It's the power of God to keep us and protect us, sanctify us, and fulfill the work of salvation. It's the power of God to raise and glorify to eternal life all those who have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior who died upon that cross. At the cross, Jesus gave himself to save us. And it's at the cross that we have to give up ourselves that we might find Jesus. There's a legend told among the gypsies of Eastern Europe that said the Roman soldiers were sent out to find a blacksmith to make four nails to crucify Jesus. They paid him for the job, and when they came back to get the nails, he'd only completed three, but they didn't have time to wait for the fourth one. But since he'd already been paid for it, he went ahead and completed the fourth nail. And then when the, the blacksmith took that hot spike from the forge, he poured water on it. But that nail still glowed brightly. He dropped it in a bucket of water, but it continued to glow brightly. He buried it in the sand, but it continued to glow red. He dropped it into a well with no effect. And as the legend says, the rest of his life, that blacksmith was bothered by the glow that would not go out. Now, that's just simply a legend. 
But I think the reality of the cross for us today is that the cross will forever communicate to us the message of God's redeeming love on Calvary. And we remember that today, the Sunday before Easter, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper with the elements of the bread that Jesus said was symbolic of His body, and the cup that Jesus said was symbolic of His blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And once again, if you're in right relationship with God, you know Christ as your Savior, and you're in right relationship with fellow believers, then we invite you to join with us in celebrating the Lord's Supper.